morning, Dorisville. Aren't you glad we're in church? Did y'all miss it last week? I'm telling you what, it was not Sunday without being in God's house. I mean that too. It was really just kind of weird. It sets your whole week off like, hello, what's going on? But we are very glad to be with you today. As you heard, our team, the other part of our Dorsville team is already at the airport and they'll be leaving. And I want to tell you, I'm very glad that we were able to arrange our flights where I could be with you. It was not I had to. I wanted to be with our church family, particularly since we missed last week. It just turned out very wonderfully. You know, what's really cool is I hope you enjoyed the video right there. Third World Joyce. You know, don't we worry about the craziest things? We really now come on. We really do. You know, you're about time and gas and and again, what kind of creamer use all those things? And they really don't in third world countries. You don't know how many of those pictures that you and I are laughing and poking each other, going, "We've seen that. We've done that. We've seen that." You see that rooster? Uh huh. You're laying there in Africa. Okay, it's nice and quiet. You know, and all of a sudden, about four o'clock in the morning, these turkeys take off, and that doesn't get you. Then about four thirty, they do call a prayer. And you get up early, guys. You know, I mean, you just just do that. That's the way it is. And it's fun. This time next week, well, this time their time, next week, I'll be hopefully, Lord willing, I'll be preaching in about a 20 by 30 block building where you can see holes through the cracks. It'll have a roof and you can see the daylight coming through the roof. And I want to tell you something. Those third world Christians will worship emphatically. They'll worship emphatically. Last time we were there, and hopefully I've I've requested to go back to the same church called the Church in the Forest. And uh, the lady stood there. I remember saying, she goes, I want to thank Jesus today because I was a witch doctor and he set me free. And so we just just pray for us. We're going to have the time for our life. Um, I told somebody, you know, we were praying back there. Don't even need to pray for safety. Don't even pray for safety because we have a sovereign God. He knows exactly what he's going to do and that's fine with us. But you need to pray that we'll be good vessels. I told Mike uh, Osho back there. If you want to pray specifically for me, pray that I won't whine. Y'all, y'all know that I'm the honorary president of the Winers Club, okay? And, and there's really not a whole lot of room for whining on mission trips, okay? You have to leave your whining at home. And that, by the way, for those of you not hearing what I'm saying, it's not wine, W-I-N-E. You do need to leave your wine at home also, but, but you need to also leave your W-H-I-N-E at home also. So anyway, so you'd be praying for us, but we're just so uh, glad to be here with you. Well, listen, we're kind of, we're a week behind, and again, it all worked out just so wonderfully perfect, but we wanted to, to go one more step in our study, Lights, Camera, Acts. And we started in Acts chapter 3 with a guy over here. We had a guy get healed. It was wonderful. He was expecting some money. Instead, he got Jesus, and he got healed. And then Peter preaches this great message in 2000. Additional people, men, were saved, plus women and children. So the, the uh, church was just blossoming and growing. And then they get arrested and hauled into jail uh, because they were preaching in Jesus' name. And they, the big deal was is that they thought they killed Jesus, and Jesus came back to life. And some of them, who were Sadducees, really thought that there was no resurrection. And Jesus was really messing up their theology. Jesus has a tendency to do that, by the way. He really messes with our theology. And so anyway, so he preaches out right again. And, and sometimes the gospel, gospel is offensive because, you know, Jesus, you know, Peter said that Jesus is the way. Uh, there's no other name given on heaven whereby you must be saved. There's not the Baptist way or the Methodist way or the Catholic way. It's just the Jesus way. And so what we want to follow up today with now is that there's a problem. The Sanhedrin and, and the council, the Pharisees, really don't know what to do with these guys. And so we want to see what's going to happen. And if you listen carefully, you're going to see, once again, our, our focus of this is how did the early church do church? How did the early church do church? Because, again, if it worked back then, it will probably even work now. Now, now the thought the idea is, is the, the Jesus factor, is the idea of aroma. Aroma. Now, 
If you, um, if you wear cologne or something, um, perhaps you've, you've walked into a room and people can say, I smell you. Um, you know, the, the olfactory nerves, I can't believe I got that word out, Crook. That's incredible. You know, but the thing to make, you know, smell is a really powerful sense that we don't talk a lot about. But really, you, you can walk in. Did we not do it? We went down to Cobden Friday night for a little birthday party for one of our old friends. And so we're back in. We got out Dick's. I was looking for one of those fishing shirts, you know, that, that wick real well. And so I get out, and, man, the, the whole parking lot is filled with the smell of chilies. The restaurant. And I said, Judy, doesn't that smell good? I mean, instantly I was just transferred. And, and we do that through the sense of smell. And, and these guys had an aroma about them that I want to talk about today. And I guess the, the bottom line is going to be this. If you look at the bottom of your sermon sheet is when people smell the aroma of our faith, is it, does it remind them of the Rose of Sharon or the barnyard? There are, there are good smells in our faith. And frankly, sometimes there's some not so good smells of our faith. And we kind of want to talk about that today. So go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 22. We're going to look at the Jesus factor. The Jesus factor. How Jesus is the change, the game changer, not only in our lives, but also in this world. So let's pick it up in verse number 13. And there, Now this first block of scriptures, listen up. If you're a note taker, I want you... This is probably the biggest chunk of the message. There's two big chunks, and this is number one. It's very, very, very important, okay? Let's read those scriptures together. Then we'll come back and point out three different things. The Bible says this. When they... And that's the Sanhedrin, the Pharisee guys. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, and this is a guy at the beginning of the story, standing with them, they had nothing to say in response. So if you're taking notes today, the first thing I want you to write down is the importance of a holy boldness. If you'll get that word up there for me, Nancy. There you go, holy. Now, now note this because we're going to use this word three different times in three different ways. Now, holy boldness. This was a, listen, this was a hallmark of the early church. There was, a, there was a holy boldness about those in the early church that in many churches today are lacking. And you want to know why? Not why it's lacking. You know why it was a hallmark? Because these guys, Peter and John, they saw. These are the guys that, that John was at the crucifixion, standing off a little bit. Peter didn't even show up for the party. He was afraid. He ran away along with all the rest of them. Just like the Bible prophesied when God said that, that they'll smite the shepherd and the sheep will flee. And all these guys who had walked with Jesus for, for all these three years, they ran. They, they split the scene. And they thought Jesus was dead. And they thought Jesus was going to stay dead. How do you know that, Dwayne? They embalmed him. Joseph Arimathea, Nicodemus, embalmed the body. No one was expecting you know, hey, Jesus, we thought you were the Messiah, but you're dead. Hey, Jesus, we thought you were the Son of God, but you're dead. That was Friday. That was Saturday. But Sunday came. And on that third day, just as he prophesied, just like he said, I'm going to die like this. They're going to bury me like this. And on the third day, he resurrected. No one else has done that. That's what makes Jesus so spectacular. No one else had done that. And these guys had saw that. They were bold because of what they had seen. And then those had not seen were talking to eyewitnesses. We were there. 
We saw this. We saw him die, yes, but we saw him live again. We need that kind of holy boldness. Now, now they saw with physical eyes and talked to eyewitnesses. We simply do it by faith. We do it by believing that the word of God is true. And that Jesus Christ is not a dead Jew. He is a risen Savior. And as the, as the team sang, He is our King. Now, write this down. People are bold about what they know, not what they think. People are bold about what they know and not what they think. May I be very blunt with you? Too many Christians... Do too much thinking and not enough knowing. We will say that we believe the word of God and then we'll turn right around when we're placed in a sinful situation and say something like this. Well, I think that's true. When we're at work and our faith is challenged, and again, it is challenged today. And we're talking to one of our co-workers and they say, what do you mean that Jesus is the way? Why does he have a quarter on the market? Why does Christian, why do Christians think that they're the only one with the way to heaven? And that you feel like this pressure and you go, well, I think it's true. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Either this book is the word of God and it is true or we need to go home. It is time for us to quit thinking that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It's time we quit thinking about that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's time we quit thinking that Jesus is the way, the true life, and believe it with all our hearts and emphatically say, we know. We know. Listen, if we do not change our methodology, if we don't uh, change the way we present the gospel to people and do it with more confidence... They're not going to believe it. You know it. If you're, if you're ever seeing a salesman, a salesman who doesn't believe in this product doesn't sell too much of the product. And we've got to believe and we've got to know. They had holy boldness because of what they knew. But watch this. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. The next word, please. There's holy and then there's holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Peter and John, as well as the others, were totally dependent on God. I think it's very cool. When it says in in the Holman Christian Standard, they were were uneducated, untrained. I think the New Living says ordinary. I think the um, English Standard Version says common. They were just ordinary men. Ordinary men. And because they were ordinary men, and this is important, because they were ordinary men, They depended on God. Brother Roger uh, asked a very important question of me in the classroom upstairs. He said, Dwayne, can you preach without God, without the Holy Spirit? You know what I said? I can give a speech. But only God's anointing can take a speech and turn it into a sermon. We need to be dependent on God. God. We need to understand that it is God that makes it happen. It is not our wealth. It is not our talents. It is not our abilities. It is God or it's no deal. Now we need to believe this. As a church, we need to believe this. As Christians, we need to believe this. As parents, we need to believe this. We need to depend on God. Did Jesus not say in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do 50%. Without me, you can do 25%. Without me, you can do 75%. No, 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 no. He said, listen, without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. That is, we can do nothing eternal. We can have programs. We can, have, we can go to Africa. We can do all kind of cool things. But spiritually and eternally, it's God or it's no deal. They were wholly dependent. And please understand, we want to take these guys and we want to put them on some kind of a pedestal. Oh, look. Oh, here's Peter. Oh, here's John. Oh, here, here's Matthew. They were ordinary guys. Guys. And the things that they did, they did through the power of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. Guess what? It's the same with us. It's the same with us. We are common, ordinary. Um, some of you say, well, I don't have the Bible knowledge. They were uneducated and untrained in an era when, man, that was highly, highly, highly regarded. I mean, there was a, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were so revered because of their knowledge. But they couldn't believe these guys had not had any training. But they did observe something. They had been with Jesus. And that's the third word. Holy, holy, and holy. Huh? Yeah, holy like H-O-L-E-Y, holy. Like a holy bucket. Um, Have you ever had a bucket before that leaked? You know, you sit there and, and you fill it full of water. You go water the trees or the plants and you're walking along and there's water spewing from the bucket because it's holy. See, a holy bucket allows what is on the inside to get out. And you're probably going, I don't, I'm not quite following you, Dwayne. Well, I'll just give it to you. We need to leak Jesus. Let me say it again. We need to leak Jesus. We need to be kind of people that when the world sees us, they see us oozing Jesus. You know, a little boy one time, and this is probably a crazy old corny story, but I really like it. But it is probably a story. A little boy was talking to the preacher. And back in those days, particularly, we used to, the, the uh, verbiage of uh, you need to ask Jesus into your heart. You need to ask him into your life. And a little boy really pondered this and he thought and he goes, preacher, I don't understand. He says... I'm so little and Jesus is so big. How can he come into me without some of him sticking out? And somebody say, amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we have got to ooze. We've got to leak Jesus. We've got to become more holy. Now, here's the problem. I'm going to be very candid today. Here's the problem. We leak all right. But what we're leaking smells like we've been to the barnyard and not with the Rose of Sharon. We, we ooze out things of the flesh. And we do it in front of our lost friends. And we do it in the community. We do it at ball games. We, we do it in other public places. And we say things and we do things. And we ooze this stuff. And we are giving the enemy so much ammunition against the kingdom of God because of what we're leaking. If you're leaking gas and walk by a fire... Pretty dangerous thing. And we need to quit oozing the flesh and ooze Jesus. We need to quit leaking the flesh and leak Jesus. Now, some of you are sitting there and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you are going, well, I don't leak anything but Jesus. 
I want to check your, check your trail out. You can tell what's leaking by what you leave behind. If you think back this week and you were on the phone going, Did you hear what she did or he did? I can't believe they did this. And I'm mad about that. And your old lost friends, they all know all about it. You better check what you're leaving behind. Well, Dwayne, what does it look like when you're oozing Jesus? Now, that's a fair question, isn't it? What does it look like when you're leaking Jesus? It looks like something like this. Therefore, as the elect of God, as the Jesus people, this is Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Is, is tender mercy coming out of your bucket? Kindness. Humility. Meekness. Long-suffering. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. In fact, if anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So what's coming out of your bucket? As you journey through life today, what's coming out of your bucket? And if, it's, if it smells bad, because you see, you leak what's inside. And if it smells bad, you need to find out why you've got some rotten garbage in your life. And you need to ask God to forgive you of that and get rid of it. And then allow him to fill you with this stuff so you can ooze the right stuff. Does that all make sense? It really does. So, so they had a holy boldness. They were wholly dependent. They need to be wholly visible or visibly holy, however you want to say that. And what's really cool is when you do this, watch what happens. When you have a boldness, when you have a dependence and you're leaking the right stuff, it says this. And since they saw the man who was... Um, healed, standing with them, they had nothing to say in response. I know, I know. Aren't you glad God does miracles? He, he does it today. He does it today. But I'm going to tell you a secret. If when the world looks at us and they see a holy boldness, in other words, I am rock solid on what I believe based on the Word of God. Not what the preacher said. Not what Joyce Meyer said. Not what Jolie Olstein said. Not what Billy Graham said. Based on the Word of God, I have a holy boldness. I am wholly dependent. In other words, I can't do it without Christ. And I'm visibly holy. In other words, I'm oozing the characteristics of a risen Savior and not something I stepped on in the barnyard. You see results. And the result is, those last few words, they had nothing to say in response. The world will shut up when we start stepping up and living like Jesus. That's a good place for applause, by the way, in case you didn't know it. If we'll stop giving the world ammunition to shoot the church, they might jam their guns. We need to be holy, holy, holy. Now, we move on down. Now, now, keep in mind, this is more than just a Bible. This really happened. I mean, imagine these guys in their robes and all this pomp and circumstance. And here's two ordinary guys. Okay, keep that thought in mind. Well, in verse number 15, after they had ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, in other words, hey, would you guys please step out? They conferred among themselves. And here's what they said. What should we do with these men? Get this. For an obvious sign. So would you please say obvious sign? For an obvious sign. Uh, among, for an obvious sign evident to all who live in Jerusalem. 
has been done through them, and we cannot deny it. Isn't that powerful? See, write down this, this phrase. Problematic result. Problematic results. Let me tell you the problem. The problem is, is what the church is doing today is not problematic. In too many churches, anybody could do what the church does. Who needs God? In America, we got money. We can raise money. In America, we have talent, so we do talent. We put on a... a, a now, Dave's surely not here. But in some churches, they got the best show in town. And so, there's not... It's not challenging. It's not, they're not doing something that man can't do in the flesh. What we need to return to, just like the early church, is the problematic result where it's obvious God did it because we couldn't pull it off. Hence the resurrection again. They pointed back to a thing. Hey, Mr. Scribe. Hey, Mr. Pharisee. Hey, Mr. Sadducee. The bottom line is this. You nailed him to this cross. You declared him dead. The Roman Empire declared him dead. And guess what? He's not now. And that's a result that they could not deny. And in that name, say in that name. You're going to see that so many times. In that name, this man was healed. Now, if he was dead and gone, he would be sitting and just saying alms for the poor. But in his name, in the power of his name, this man is now walking. You've got a problem. And they did. They didn't know what to do with the man who was standing there. It was obvious that God had done something and had done it in the name of his son, Jesus. We need to pray as a church and as individuals that our life will be filled with problematic results. Now, if God were to choose to to heal a blind man, that would be cool, wouldn't it, Tracy? But I don't think you believe me with this. But I hope you will. When the church starts acting like the early church and starts oozing Jesus and leaking Jesus and is dependent totally on Him and there's a boldness about what we believe, that is so otherworldly that the world will take notice. There, you don't find that in the Elks. You don't find it in the, in the uh, um, Lions Club. You don't find it in the bowling league. You don't find it in Little League or soccer. You don't find that. And if the church will simply practice what these men did in the early church, the world will take notice. But frankly, too often there's too much of the world in our churches and in our lives where they go, they're just like us. What are you claiming to be something different? You're just like us. You get mad, you cuss. You don't get your way, you get mad. You, know, you, 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 you have this club where you come. If you dress the right way and talk the right way, you're welcome. If you don't, you don't. We start acting, doing differently. Then God can do amazing things with our witness. Would you say amen to that? It's huge. I mean, again, if we want to see it happen. So, so notice it again, verse 17. So this does not spread any further. What's this? So this. So this doesn't spread any further. What was it? Was it Peter and John preaching? No. You know it was? You killed him. You're wrong. God raised him from the dead. Now it's time to change. That was a radical message. So this, Jesus died. We buried him and he got up on the third day. Game changing information. So, so this doesn't spread any further. 
Let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in the name of Jesus. That doesn't sound very harsh, does it? Don't, don't you preach anymore in that name. Don't, you better not be healing anybody else in that name. You, you better not live like he's alive in, in that name. You know, it's a shame in our society. It shuts us up. You kids at school. We won't, we won't let you in our club if you're going to talk this Jesus talk. You know, how many school boards have been threatened? If you, if you don't follow our games, we'll sue you. And we can't afford a lawsuit, so we cave. How, how, many, how many times our society... Do we cave? How many times has, has cities like Harrisburg caved because they wanted to put a manger scene on public property? And they said, oh, you do that, we'll sue you. And we cave. And we just cave because they're bullying. Well, let me tell you something. They've got a pretty big bully. But I've got someone who is not a bully. He just happens to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he said, all authority. Come on now. Come on. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And honey, if he's got all authority, the other bullies ain't got none. Ain't got none. So we have got to stand up. Stand up. Be counted for the cause. Of Christ. So what happens? Well, in verse number 18. So they called for them, as they said they would, and they ordered them not to preach or teach at all. Now listen, listen, in that name, there it is again, in that name. The problem, listen, the problem wasn't the healing of the man. The problem was it was done in Jesus' name. See, that's the deal. I honestly believe this. I don't think the town has a problem with the manger on public property. I don't think the, the uh, American Association of Cockeyed Lawyers, ALCU, if that's what it is. You know, I, I, I don't think they have a problem with a manger on public property. They have a problem that that manger represents Jesus. See, I've, I've said this so many often. The problem is Jesus. I don't think the problem is really religion. I think it's Jesus and his arrogance. His arrogance to say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So, so, so they call him in and they say, listen, you just can't preach anymore in this name. Now look at verse 19, it's so powerful. So Peter and John immediately apologized. And they said, how could we have been so wrong? Please forgive us. We will no longer speak up and we'll stop following this man. Is that what they said? Now, this is so powerful. This is the other big chunk. Peter and John answered them. Whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. I love this. Now, if I was taking notes, you like things that rhyme? Right in the sight of God. We've got to determine in what sight are we going to do what we do. 
Are we going to do what's right in the sight of man? Are we going to do what's right in the sight of whatever writes the rules in our society? Or are we going to do what's right in the sight of God? Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, you do whatever you do. If you, if you are, you know, you, you say, I'm not religious today, I understand, you just do what you do. But if you claim to be a Jesus follower, if you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a Christian in the sense of someone who surrendered their life to Christ and followed his teachings, having repented of your sins, turn from those, you don't have an option. You don't have an option. Where does the idea of an option come up? I mean, I mean, we don't raise our kids to go, well, we try not to, but, you know, honey, come in at 11 tonight if you want to. If you don't, well, whatever's right. Uh, honey, now listen, I know it's prom night, but, but let's not do alcohol unless, of course, you think it's the right thing to do. Now, now, honey, we know that virgin thing's out of... Out of now, I would prefer that, that you be a virgin, but, but you know, we understand because everybody's not, so do whatever you think's right. Hello? As a Christ follower, we are commanded to do what's right in the sight of God. No matter, listen, no matter if it's popular, no matter if it's comfortable, no matter if it's beneficial, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And don't expect the world to roll over. They're lost. Don't expect the world to say, oh, I understand. Oh, sure, I do. They're not going to. When are we going to understand that society is lost? Why are we surprised when they don't? Keep the rules. Why are we surprised when they don't follow God's word? Because they're not followers. And, and that shocks us. No, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. Now, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, tells a story about three Hebrew kids. They were hauled off to Babylon, and, and they were ordered to bow down and worship a false god. And their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen to what they said. King's going to throw them in a fiery furnace. For not worshiping a false god. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. I'm with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm not because I'm the preacher and I've got the mic and I'm the loudest guy in the room. I'm not saying that's always easy. But it's always right. It's always right to do what's right in the sight of God. Very powerful. Very powerful. So it goes on and said this. you got to like this. Whether it's right in the sight of God... For us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop. How different is that today? We're unable to speak. They were unable to stop speaking. We're unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. 
Boys, guys, Mr. Sanhedrin, Mr. Pharisees, Mr. Sadducees, you don't understand. We saw him bleed and die. The coroner declared him dead. The Roman soldier came, was going to break his legs. They didn't break his legs because he was already dead. We saw him put in a grave from a distance. We saw him being embalmed. It was all over. But then Sunday came and he got up. Now, Mr. Mr. Scribes and Mr. Pharisees and Mr. Sadducees, excuse us, but when a guy predicts his own death and is buried and resurrects on the third day and pulls it off, we're going with him. We're going to go with him. Not religion, not church, him. And that's my encouragement for us today. Church, he's alive. He's alive. No other religious leader has pulled this one off. No other charismatic leader in the world has pulled this off. Only Christ. Amen. Only Christ. So, so here's the deal. Can't stop talking about it. Y'all know me. Good deals. Did I tell you about my latest good deal? I want to take my iPhone to Africa. But as Dave and Brink can tell you, I don't want to scratch on it. I mean, yeah. so I was at Target. And they had, you know, they had the, y'all know the Target end cap sort of place to be? Listen, I don't care what you go to Target for, it doesn't matter. Go to the end caps. If you find a deal, buy it regardless if you need it or not. It's a good thing. So, so I'm looking there and all this stuff, they had iPhone cases and things. I'm going, ooh, 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 ooh. And they had this thing that, that if you had another kind of case would make your iPhone float. I said, well, that's kind of cool, but I don't have the other kind of case. So, hey. So I said, boy, it should be nice if I could find one of those super duty, you can throw your iPhone against the wall. Although, little Dave, you tried that and it didn't work very well, did it? Yeah. But, but, you know, it's the kind of case you can throw your iPhone against the wall and it won't hurt it. And so I poked and I poked and I found it. Way back in the back was the Griffin Survivor case. Now, the iPhone is this big. With a case, it's this big. But hey, it's protected. It was $40, Dave. $40. $6.05. Ask me if I bought it. That is one problem. It is a Superman case. I'm a little old for Superman. But ask me about it. I bought that puppy. And I'm taking my Superman iPhone to Africa. Now, because it's such a good deal, I, I, I woke up to, we went down to Cobden. So many people I haven't seen in 14 years. I said, can I tell you about my Superman iPhone case? Why? I couldn't keep quiet. It was such a good deal. Now, listen to me. The best deal I have ever known, the best deal you will ever know, doesn't get purchased from Target, Charlie. It gets purchased on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The best deal you'll ever see is the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins. That we can have forgiveness of sins. That he didn't stay dead. He got back. That's the best deal. We got something to talk about. We can't be quiet. Whether we go to Africa and tell them. Or whether we go across the street and tell them. Or whether you do it in the mercy corner. Or whether you do it somewhere else. It doesn't matter. We just can't keep quiet. We got the best deal ever. And his name is Jesus. So we come down to the end. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them 
Because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man that was 40 years old. They threatened them and let him go. They couldn't find a way to punish him. Because the man was 40 years old and the crowd's going, wow. Now, wouldn't it be cool if I could say, so, we go to Africa, our plane won't crash because we're in God's will. And we're going to Africa and share Jesus and heal people. Our plane won't crash like the one did apparently going from Malaysia. And great, we can, we can go to Africa and say, we don't worry about terrorism because God's going to protect us. You know what? That's not true. Because I serve a sovereign God. And I don't know what his sovereignty entails. His sovereignty might entail him getting the greatest glory from a plane crash, from terrorism, or from a great trip. But here's the deal. We can trust him. Because you see, the truth is, you know the book of Acts. There's some tough things coming. It wasn't all better roses. One time they killed John's brother, this John's brother. They killed him. Cut it off, you know, kill him with a sword, cut his head off. I mean, yeah. But here's the deal. Regardless of what happens, eternity is still waiting on us. Come on. Heaven's real. Heaven's real. Regardless of what happens, heaven's real. That's why I'm telling you, you know, kids, if you, students, if you go to school and you're disowned because you're a Jesus follower, hey, this life isn't all there is. If, if, you know, if, if cancer comes or a car wreck comes and your life is cut short and you're a Christ follower, a believer in Jesus, man, you're just getting started. I'm not making light of death. I'm not making light of suffering. I'm just telling you, keep it in mind, this is not all there is. Um, some of you are very familiar with the name Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary along with a team of missionaries that went to Ecuador in 1956. Um, trying to reach a, a lost people group, and they were slaughtered. They were martyred, martyred all five of them. And by the way, I, I want you to point out something. Some of you know, do you all, how many of y'all know the name of Jim Elliott? Oh, yeah, good, great. Okay, did you know, probably, if what had happened and not happened, you wouldn't know his name. He would just be another missionary that served among the Ecuadorian people. But because of what happened, um, the cause of Christ has been greatly, greatly lifted up. I mean, now we're talking about he died in 1950, January 8, 1956. And here we are, uh, 50-something years later, still talking about this young man who was willing to lay it all on the line. And there are four quotes I want to share real quick because we got a plane to catch. Um, real quick, okay? Don't try to write them down. Just Google it and you'll get it. The first thing Jim Elliott said was this. Thinking about what I said now, to be fair, things were going to get harder. If you stand for Christ, things will get hard. Sometimes you're going to be dramatically delivered and sometimes they'll be hard. The first thing he said was this. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. They, so many people thought Jim Elliott's death was such a tragedy. Not in his eyes. Because he gained something greater than life. He gained presence with the Lord Jesus Christ. It will be worth it all, folks. He also said this. He said... Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt 
every situation you believe to be the will of God. Go for the gusto. Not of life, this life, but of that life. Whatever you're going to do with God, go full hilt. Go be all in. Don't try to straddle the line. Don't try to live for both worlds. You can't anyway. But this young man who gave his life for the cause of Christ says, be all in. When you know it's the will of God, be all in. The third thing is this. Forgive me for being so ordinary while claiming to know such an ordinary God. What he's saying is this. I mean, these were ordinary men we talked about today. He wasn't talking about promoting self. He was talking about how extraordinarily we can become when we're in the service of an extraordinary king. We become extraordinary because of Jesus. Just like we gain his righteousness, we can be extraordinary for the cause of Christ. Now, if we try to be extraordinary in ourselves, we may gain accolades, we may gain titles, maybe some prestige, but that's all wood hand stone. It gets burned up. But when we surrender our cause and live the cause like Peter and John did, then we see something greater. We see an eternal reward and blessing. And the last one says, Let not our longing slay the appetite of our living. Let me read that again. Because I think about this for myself. Let not our longing slay the appetite of our living. You know what? Come on. Can, can we be honest? Can we be candid? In our longing for a good life? Isn't our longing that our kids turn out great? Our longing is, you know, we, we live a long time. Our longing is we have a great, you know, a great retirement. Isn't that our longing? Come on, we can be. I mean, it's, it's just what we long for. But he said, don't let that longing slay the appetite for living. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. Don't let your longing for this life squelch or slay the appetite for what is truly life. And that's serving the living Savior. That's serving Jesus. That's how they did business in the early church. That's how they did it. Now, okay, Dwayne, what's the, what's the bottom line? Regardless of what happens in our lives, the best life we'll ever live is a life in total surrender to Jesus Christ. That's it. More important than the cars we drive, the houses we own, what school our kids go to, um, kids, if we make, you know, captain of the football team or whatever else you long for and want, it all pales to the cause of Christ and total surrender. That is the life worth dying for. Worth dying for. Peter and John believed that. And so did the early church. So if you're here today and, again, you've never done the Jesus thing and maybe you popped in, you know, you were bored last week and said, well, I was going to go to church. I guess I'll go to church today. But you've never um, experienced the forgiveness that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ. Never that point of becoming a Christ follower. Maybe you had enough of a drink today to say, you know, that's something I've been looking for. That's something I've been longing for, purpose in life, a reason to live and a reason to die. My Brent will stand, be standing down front here and Brent would love to share with you about Christ, about how you can know Jesus, have forgiveness of sins, turning from your sin in a life that's beyond incredible. But the bulk of us have already trusted Jesus, haven't we? And, and the truth is, in the society we live in, we've kind of been lulled into this form of godliness. I think Nita told me this first not long ago. You know, 
having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You know, doing the church thing and those things. But today maybe you've been challenged to go to a whole different level, a whole deeper and a whole higher level, to be all in, to make sure that, that when you leak, you leak Jesus. And the world is drawn to that. The love, the power, magnificence of your Savior. Would you please join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing your word today. I pray it stirred our hearts, God. It's just one of those times, God, that I know the shortcomings in my life. I will join the Apostle Paul and say, I've not arrived. I've not got there yet. But place us on the journey, Father, to go deeper and farther and fuller with you. For my friend here today who's never experienced that, may today be that very day. And Father, for us, us, may we be so filled with the Holy Spirit and so filled with Jesus that, Father, that he has to come out of us. Every time we open our mouth, every action that we do just points people to Jesus. We cannot do that. We cannot do that. If it's going to happen, it's got to be you. So help us to surrender so that you may do what you want to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.